In their own words, a collection of Mormon quotations is a valuable resource when wanting to know what Mormon leaders have said on a number of topics related to the LDS faith. Compiled by Mormonism Research Ministries' Bill McKeever, In Their Own Words is available at mrm.org. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. So glad you could be with us for this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. With me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. KSL.com, a website that is owned by KSL Television, a station that is owned by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, posted an article with a video, a very short article, titled History of the Saints, Joseph Smith's Greatest Sermon, The King Follett Discourse. And in this video, it featured four individuals, Glenn Rawson, Robert Millett, Alexander Baugh, and Adam Petty, basically gushing over this King Follett discourse that Joseph Smith gave in April of 1844. Now, if you want to go to this video, we have a link at our website, and we also have the complete King Follett discourse on our webpage. Where can they find that, Eric? Just go to mrm.org slash King Follett Discourse, and Follett is with two L's and two T's, hyphens between those words, King Follett Discourse. I think every Christian who's listening to this ought to go and read this for themselves as well as watch the video. Now, we've been going through this discourse, and as I mentioned yesterday, there's no way we're going to be able to go through every line in here, but we're just picking out some of the portions that we find to be utterly reprehensible, even blasphemous. So for this to be the greatest sermon that Joseph Smith ever gave, it raises the question, well, if this is true, and, he, and he's teaching things that certainly are blasphemy, then why would we want to embrace Mormonism as having anything really to do with Christianity? Does it really make sense when our LDS neighbors tell us, well, we're Christians just like you? I would say absolutely not. Now, in yesterday's show, I was citing the portion of Joseph Smith's message where he's saying, and remember, this is a funeral sermon that was given for a man by the name of King Follett, who died when a bucket of rocks fell on him while he was digging a well. He eventually died several days later, and he was asked to give this funeral sermon for Mr. Follett. In order to understand the subject of the dead, Smith said, for the consolation of those who mourn for the loss of their friends, it is necessary that we should understand the character and being of God and how he came to be so. For I am going to tell you how God came to be God. Now see, this is making it very clear that the God of Mormonism was not always God. And he makes that very clear in the next sentence. We have imagined and supposed that God was God from all eternity. I will refute that idea and take away and do away the veil so that you may see. He continues, These are incomprehensible ideas to some, but they are simple. It is the first principle of the gospel to know for a certainty the character of God and to know that we may converse with him as one man converses with another and that he was once a man like us. Yea, that God himself, the Father of us all, 
dwelt on an earth the same as Jesus Christ himself did, and I will show it from the Bible. He goes on and says, the scriptures inform us that Jesus said, quote, as the Father hath power in himself, even so hath the Son power, end quote, to do what? Why, what the Father did. The answer is obvious, in a manner to lay down his body and take it up again. Jesus, what are you going to do? To lay down my life as my Father did and take it up again. Do you believe it? If you do not believe it, you do not believe the Bible. The scriptures say it, and I defy all the learning and wisdom of all the combined powers of earth and hell together to refute it. So what do we get from what Joseph Smith is saying here? He's insisting that the Father lived on an earth similar to the one we live on. And he uses the passage, As the Father hath power in himself, even so hath the Son power. And then he draws this conclusion. The answer's obvious. In a manner to lay down his body and take it up again. Jesus, what are you going to do to lay down my life as my father did and take it up again? Where do we find anywhere in the Bible that teaches that God the Father laid down his life? Anywhere? We certainly read about God the Son, Jesus, doing that very thing on behalf of his people, but we don't see anywhere in the Bible where it mentions that God the Father was going to lay down his life and then take it up again. Joseph Smith is clearly performing an act of eisegesis. He's reading into a passage that says nothing of what he is saying it says. Bill, when he says, do you believe it? If you do not believe it, you do not believe the Bible. The scriptures say it. And I'm going to say whenever a Latter-day Saint tells you of some kind of a teaching such as what Joseph Smith is giving us here, I think the question that ought to be asked is, where do you find that? Because when you go to the verses that are used, and we've looked at some of those on a apologetics website that Mormons use, they're just verses that are taken out of the context to make them say things that the original author was not trying to say. Well, where he says the scriptures say it, and I defy all the learning and wisdom and all the combined powers on earth and hell together to refute it. Here again is that arrogance I was talking about yesterday. Joseph Smith makes a lot of arrogant comments in this sermon, embarrassingly arrogant in my opinion. Then Joseph Smith goes on to say in this sermon, Here then is eternal life, to know the only wise and true God, and you have got to learn how to be gods yourselves and to be kings and priests to God, the same as all gods have done before you, namely by going from one small degree to another and from a small capacity to a great one. From grace to grace, from exaltation to exaltation, until you attain the resurrection of the dead and are able to dwell in everlasting burnings and to sit in glory as do those who sit enthroned in everlasting power. He then says, and I want you to know that God in the last days, while certain individuals are proclaiming his name, is not trifling with you or me. What would you say about that? But we must know the only wise and true God, and you have got to learn how to be gods yourselves. Where is the source? Where do you get this from, Joseph Smith? It's not found in the Bible. It is not found in the Book of Mormon, which is supposed to be the most correct book on earth. 
for him to be able to teach these things as if, come on, duh, everybody ought to know this. Well, nobody really knows this. As you said in a previous show, probably many people are going, where did all of this come from? This is the kind of arrogance that we see, especially toward the end of Joseph Smith's life, where he just assumes everybody ought to believe what he says just because he's the prophet. And notice also the phrase there, we must learn how to be gods, plural, yourselves, which would make sense if he's teaching us that all human beings can become gods, there would have to be a plurality of gods. And he says, and to be kings and priests to God, the same as all gods have done before you. He's basically trying to support this notion of what we call this eternal regression of gods. In other words, the God that he is talking about here in this sermon is a God who is the offspring of a God, who is also a man who was the offspring of a God, who was also a man who was the offspring of a God, going into eternity past. Where do we see anything even close to that in the Bible? The Bible would seem to refute it with that passage that we talked about yesterday in Psalm 90, verse 2, that describes God as being God from everlasting to everlasting, basically speaking of his eternal nature as God, not someone who was once a man who eventually excelled to the level to become God. And that's the expression that Joseph Smith used, how he became God. That's not the God of Christianity. When you hear things like this, you have to remember what the Bible teaches, that there will be many false prophets who are going to dress up as wolves in sheep's clothing. We see that in Matthew chapter 7. We see 1 Thessalonians 5.21 that we're supposed to test everything. We see 1 John 4.1 that we're supposed to test the spirits to see if they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. I don't think we ought to accept Joseph Smith based on what he's saying because He's a false teacher, and I think, I think it's pretty obvious for you and I to see this, Bill, and I'm hoping for those Christians who are listening to this series and are reading this are going to understand this is the difference between Mormonism and Christianity, and there's a chasm between what we believe and what Mormonism accepts as far as who God is and who we can become. Well, Joseph Smith continues, and he says, when you climb a ladder, you must begin at the bottom and ascend step by step until you arrive at the top. And so it is with the principles of the gospel. You must begin with the first and go on until you learn all the principles of exaltation. But it will be a great while after you have passed through the veil before you have learned them. Now, I've heard some Latter-day Saints say that that statement there supports the notion that if you lived a certain life in this mortality, let's say you were living a terrestrial law, because that's what Mormon leaders have said. We're all living some kind of law, whether it's celestial law, terrestrial law, or telestial law. I've had some Latter-day Saints say, well, this shows that even if you only lived a terrestrial law, you could eventually jump kingdoms and end up in the celestial kingdom. But I don't think Joseph Smith is saying that at all. In fact, I know Spencer Kimball didn't believe that he was saying that at all, because Kimball said there's no way you can jump kingdoms after you die. But he says you must begin with the first and go on until you learn all the principles of exaltation. But it will be a great while until you have passed through the veil before you will have learned them. I don't see how he's saying at all that if you weren't qualified for exaltation, that somehow you're going to get qualified later on. 
LDS leaders have made it very clear that there are certain things you must do in this mortality to qualify for exaltation. Now, if Joseph Smith is saying that you're going to learn more about the exaltation you earned after you go through the veil, that would seem to make much more sense than this idea that some Latter-day Saints are, I guess, hoping for, that if they didn't perform well enough during this mortality, that somehow they will have the ability to make up for lost time after they die. Uh, Again, I don't see Joseph Smith giving that kind of hope. I think he's talking about something that is completely different. Let me very quickly say how he addresses in this sermon what he thinks is a bad translation when it comes to the word Jacob or James. He is trying to imply, since he has an old edition of the New Testament, Hebrew, Latin, German, and Greek, I've been reading the German to find it to be the most correct translation. Again, here's the arrogance of Joseph Smith. He doesn't really have a working knowledge of a lot of these languages, certainly not to the extent that he can tell us what translation is more correct than others. But he talks about the word Jacob, how it should read in the New Testament instead of the word James. But yet in the Joseph Smith translation, he has the word James. You would think he would know better. The Latin says Jacob. The Hebrew says Jacob. The Greek says Jacob. And the German says Jacob. Here we have the testimony of four against one. Well, I would argue actually you have the testimony of four against two, perhaps, because the Joseph Smith translation also uses the word James, which Joseph Smith says here is incorrect. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.